This here is Lenore Zan, a.k.a. Rogue. It's Cal Dodd here, voice of Wolverine from X-Men, the animated series, Bub. I want you to join me at The Uncanny Experience, the ultimate destination for X-Men fans just like you. Where you will become a mutant student at Xavier's. And be able to explore the school campus, shop the vendor hall, and meet the creators and stars of the X-Men universe. There'll be panels, parties, immersive activities all throughout the historic mansion. Whether you're a fan of the comics or the movies or the animated series, you'll find something to love. This is Chris Claremont. I'm looking forward to seeing you all at the Uncanny Experience. It's going to be one hell of a ride, Bob. I bet it will be uncanny. Get your tickets now, sugar, at the uncannyexperience.com. Welcome, everyone, to the X Factor Files podcast. I'm Daryl. I'm Philip. And we are joined for a very special celebration episode of Barbie at Marvel. So we have several special guests. So I will kick it over first to Barbara Slate. Barbara, could you please introduce yourself to the masses that are listening to this podcast <laughs> right now? <laughs> okay, please. No applause. No applause. Um, I'm Barbara Slate, and I am a uh, graphic novelist, and I proudly did 65 Barbie comics for Marvel Comics. Yay! I'm happy to be here with all these Barbie people. Thank you so much for being here. Anna Maria Cool, can you introduce yourself? (laughs) I'm Anna Maria Cool. Um, I drew Barbie comics, Barbie and Barbie fashion back in the 90s for Marvel. And Barbara wrote a bunch of the stories I illustrated. And uh, right now, I'm a freelance illustrator. Uh, I illustrate a lot of different things, Oz books. um, I've drawn Elvira comics and uh, other other projects. And I'm a writer. I'm trying to get published. So there you go. (laughs) And uh, as a fellow writer, I know what a grind that can be. (laughs) Trying to get published and all the proposals. And I know that Barbara can probably empathize as well with yes. having to propose everything and um, get it out there into the world. It, yes. It's, it's a full-time job in and of itself on top of trying to be creative. It, yes. Mm-hmm. And it, it's also a um, very difficult job because you send these, like I'm, I'm sending my manuscript out now. You send it to like, oh, 20 people. Actually, I have an agent who does that. And then out of, I would say out of 20, if you get one response that's like, give me this, I'm dying for it, you're doing well. But the the amount of rejections you get is, uh, you have to get really, I'm really, really, really good at rejection. <laughs> <laughs> I got good at it too one summer. I uh, sent um, queries to like 100 agents and all but one accepted and I just um signed and sent the contract to him this week so it was a good week for me oh congratulations now the ball the ball is in his court now congratulations thank you we'll see and 
And finally, we are joined by Michelle Waffle Otero. She's been on our show before, um, but this is, I, I knew I needed to get Michelle here for a Barbie episode. Well, listen, I mean, you had me at Marvel and Barbie. Okay, those are my <laughs> two favorite things in the entire world. So I, I couldn't say no. Couldn't say no. Um, and we're going to discuss a few issues and touch on them. Um, and Michelle and Philip were both gracious enough to say, hey, we're game for whatever issues you want to review. And I had a stack of Barbie fashion um, because I found them online. And they're rather hard to find. Um, people are hanging on to their Barbie comics. Michelle, you work within, com like, comic dealers and comic retailers, I never really run across Barbie comics in shops ever. Hmm. I, well, I used to work in a comic book shop. I've, I've switched industries, but um, when I did work in comics, finding Barbie issues was so hard. I think I found maybe two in my entire career. And I've been partnering with Shortbox app to do some promotions. I'm part of their street team. So I just help create content when I go out to cons. And I was looking on their app and even on the app, there's only, I think there's less than five issues on there. Wow. It's, yeah, it's crazy. Like I'm gonna actually try hunt hunting for Barbie comics. I've got two cons coming up at Torpedo Con in San Diego. So I'm gonna see if I can find any Barbie comics in the wild. And uh, and San Diego is one of is like the con. So like, if you can find it there, they they must be hiding very well. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Um. So my assignment, my very tough assignment, was after Barbara and Anna Maria both um agreed to appear. I looked at all the issues on which you worked. Um. And I had to pick three. I had to limit myself because they're all really fun. And like, well, I want to discuss 10, but then we would be here for a day and a half. Um, so I did pick three, but I, I sort of cheated and I picked a fourth um, based solely on Anna Maria's cover because it's my favorite Barbie cover. And I'll hold it up and I'll make sure to post an image when I post about this episode on Instagram. Um, but it is number 32, and I'm not sure if it is a, like first or second run, um, but it is a neon orange dress on Barbie, which was it's my, iconic. Look it's very iconic, and it was my favorite color in a Crayola coloring box. So um <laughs> I don't I don't think they even make that color for Crayola anymore. It was one of those very 90s neon colors and um i just loved the motion the color there's a, there's some nice swooshing happening there's and a swooshing. very big hat a very big hat she's sipping on of course it's barbie <laughs> so it's a, it's a non-alcoholic drink that she is sipping on um yeah but she's got that joint in her hand you see that <laughs> daryl that's weird because the um the cover i have her dress is white Right, and I know you shared that image with me where the the dress is white and this one is colored differently. So I'm not sure if they had to do maybe a second printing or something like that where 
they change the color up. Um, so first, before we dive into the issues, both of you had to work on a specific licensed comic. And I know that, um, Barbara, you wrote a lot of different licensed things. I know that yeah. you did Beauty and the Beast, um, but Barbie is a very specific one. Oh, we've just been joined by Isabel. Isabel. Um, Hi, Isabel. Just... Hi, Isabel. So um, we're going to let her get connected here, and um, then we will have her introduce herself. Um, so why don't we talk about a licensed comic first? So from a writing perspective, Barbara, what sort of limitations were placed or what requirements were given to you when it came to writing a licensed property? for another big company. Marvel's a big company at this time. We're in the comics boom. Um, and then you add in Mattel and Barbie wanting to put out their product via Marvel. So as a writer, what was told to you? How did you work with editorial? And how did you come up with some of these stories? Like, um, were the ideas that you came up with? Were they suggestions? Walk us through that creative process. Well, the first of all, I got a lot of flack from my friends, my feminist friends, because <laughs> I started with uh, Ms. Liz and um, Angel Love, which was were really strong feminist characters. And when uh, Tom DeFalco offered me Barbie, of course, I was thrilled. I mean, I love doing comics. I will do any comic. I love I love the medium. And so when I told my friends I'm doing Barbie, they're like, how can you do that after Angel Love and Barbie and, uh, and um, Sweet, and not Sweet 16, and um, Angel Love. So um, what happened was we had the greatest editor, Hildy Mesnick, and Barbie could live anywhere and be anything. Every month she could be a pilot, she could be a teacher, she could be a model. Barbie could do anything and live anywhere. So that left a lot of freedom. So there was no restriction. The only thing that was a restriction was Barbie cannot make a mistake. So <laughs> that stuck in my crawl. I said, there in these 65 comics, comics, I am going to have Barbie make at least one mistake. And she did. She, uh, on Valentine's Day, she put the wrong card in the envelope and sent it to, I, I forget who she sent it to, you know, these stories, I, there were so many of them, but mm -hmm. so she made a mistake and um, just tell me not to do something and I'm ready to do it, so. I almost selected that issue um, because <laughs> I, I really loved it. Um, it showed vulnerability for Barbie. Um, yes, yes. Whereas you... <laughs> I mean, she can't make a mistake, but in a lot of these stories, she is helping others solve their mistakes and get through them. So That's right. Ken's allowed to and Skipper, all of them. But uh, Barbie turned out to be a feminist character. She was, uh, because she could do anything and live any anywhere, she was a wonderful role model for kids. And we even got a great review in Ms. Magazine, which was one of the highlights of my life that they immediately started out with, we can't believe we're saying this, but 
Marvel did Barbie, but that was at the, um, you know, we had a wonderful editor, Hildy Mesnick was just fabulous and she kept pushing that envelope. So anytime I suggested a story, she really was in on it and wanted to make this wonderful. And you see the covers are fantastic. Anna Marie's covers, I love too, but the cover Thank you. <laughs> every month, the, um, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't wait to read the comic. Uh, because it was so well done with the writing. Well, I'm bragging about my writing, but <laughs> and and the editing. Should. <laughs> anyway. So, uh, Isabel, um, uh, to draw you into the conversation, first of all, please introduce yourself. We want you to join this conversation, and then I want to hear from you what Barbie means to you, especially within the framework that Barbara just brought up in terms of being a feminist icon and how she really, um, what she means to you and why are you even here? Like, why did you consent to join my podcast when I was like, hey, <laughs> Barbie? And you're like, yeah, so go for it. Um, okay, um, uh, so my name is Isabel Diepa. I um, I'm the host of a Barbie podcast called The Barbie Experience, and um, I actually I have such a great relationship with Barbie. And actually, it I was really excited when you had invited me, Daryl, because yes, I love Barbie, but also I grew up reading these comics. Oh, like, wow. oh my! When I was in elementary school, they had these comics in our school library, and oh. so I would wow. often um, like read them. Um, and I was like so excited because I was like such a huge Barbie fan and um it's very interesting um because like I'm a Barbie collector I have my my dolls behind me um but uh also just as a kid um growing up as a Latina girl um for a while we lived in Indiana before we moved to Puerto Rico and it was like a very very um it was very white and um it was also like I I did have some issues with bullying in school and like some like racism and so like playing with Barbies as a kid especially because like there was a lot of like diversity within dolls like they had Latina dolls um when I was a kid um it always felt like Barbie was my friend so like I could always see Barbie and and like see also the um all of her friends and like the diversity that she had. And so it's like, um, I've always had this like close relationship with Barbie and just like loving that she can do anything and that she can be anything. And that really like, like stayed instilled in me and in how I grew up and thinking that the world is limitless, even though there were constantly times when the world tried to tell me like, no, 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 you're not supposed to do that. No, 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 you have to stop doing that. And it was kind of like, but why? Like, that doesn't make any sense. So that's kind of in a nutshell. Right. That's cool. Did, Isabel, did you have um, any Latina? I'm sorry, you can't see me. I don't have a camera. Um, did you have um, uh, the Latina Barbies or just the blonde ones? Which, which Barbies did you have when you were a kid? I actually had, I was lucky. So like my mom was all about buying me, well, my mom and my grandparents, like my grandparents definitely spoiled me. Um, I actually like talked to my grandmother a few days ago and I was like, thank you for always buying me the Barbies that I wanted. <laughs> but, um, uh, I, uh, I, I had the Teresa doll that she was, um, I, I would often get the Teresa Barbie that she was um, the Latina Barbie. 
Um, Kira as well, although Kira was Asian, I really loved Kira because she had black hair and she had brown skin. And so like, I didn't know the difference. I was like, oh, she looks like me too. Um, <laughs> and then I had Christy, which was um, the black Barbie doll. And then I also had blonde Barbies. So I, I was able to get like a nice hodgepodge. And I was also like kind of I, I was very much like that snobby kid um, because like I only specifically wanted Barbies. Like sometimes there would be like these uh, like off-brand dolls that would be like at the dollar store. But like, I didn't like them because I was like, oh, the plastic is is not, it's, it's too chintzy. I don't want that. I want the real Barbie. I want the real thing. So um, yeah, I was, I actually like took really, really good care of my Barbies. And um, it's funny because into even like my teenagehood, I had, and I played with Barbies and when we moved to Puerto Rico, so I lived in, Puerto, I lived in Indiana for a little while in elementary school. And then we moved to Puerto Rico when I was in the sixth grade. And when I moved to Puerto Rico um, in the neighborhood, I was like known as the girl that had the Barbies. So like other little girls <laughs> would come to my house and play with Barbies with me because like I like took really good care of them because my mom would like warn me that if I did not take care of these dolls, she would throw them away and never buy me a bar and never buy me a Barbie again. And <laughs> that was like the worst threat you could ever give me. Wow. <laughs> That's some good motivation. Yeah. I'm, I'm so like we all got that as a kid. <laughs> I'm so impressed that your um your librarian had the Barbie comics in the library. That is uh, that's a wonderful. I, I'm so amazed that because at that time, we uh, when we when we started, actually, um, Tom DeFalco started the girls' line. It started out very, uh, you know, we we girls weren't buying comics. Girls weren't buying. It was like ninety five percent boys, five percent girls. So for him to start this girls' line and have Barbie as the first character, every month the sales kept going up, which was very exciting. But usually the uh the education you know now everybody you know wants comic people there you know I do a lot of uh, work in schools but at that time comics were frowned on for girls so this was uh, this is wonderful that it was actually in the library and I'm thrilled that you actually read our comics every month that's very yeah. exciting it was it was that and the American Girl magazine I think it was like the librarian, I I, I, can't, I feel bad because I don't even remember her name. I just like remember her face and like how much I liked her and like how much I enjoyed hanging out because it was like the little school library in like my elementary school. But like she did have this section that was um like girl, like girl centered media. So in it would be like American Girl Magazine, the Barbie comic, um, 17 Magazine. I don't know if y'all remember Sassy Magazine for a little while. <laughs> Yeah, I remember Sassy. Yeah, that's so awesome. that was that was really cool. That's a very forward-thinking librarian. And yeah. Uh, yes. That's great. I love that connection that you had to Barbie, um, and that relationship that like Barbie has with Skipper, and then Barbie had with you, and then did when you moved and all the little girls went to you for your Barbies. Did you <laughs> feel like you were Barbie in that sense, like <laughs> mentoring and like being supportive of the neighborhood girls? I did. And it's funny because it was like, so like in, in Latino culture, when um, girls turn 15, like there's like, you know, we talk about quinceañeras. And so like the the like tradition of the like, quinceañeras, it goes like way, way, way back to like Native American culture. 
And um, it is like for a lot of this, a lot of our cultures, when a girl turns 15, she turns into a woman. And so it's like, she's given her last doll, like as a gift that it's like, you are now leaving like girlhood and you're going into womanhood. And so it was interesting because like, I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it. But like, um, I remember like after I had turned um, 15, um, my mom like gave me all of these gifts and like, I didn't get a doll, but it was also like, I kind of felt that I had to like, I was gonna like be turning into a woman now. And so like, I actually gave the dolls to like the girls in the neighborhood. And, um, and it was kind of like, a, like, oh, you know, I'm no longer a girl. You can have like my girlhood and now I'm a woman. Um, of course, when I turned into an adult and I started making my own money, I like totally tracked down all of my Barbies <laughs> and have collected them now. But like, it was like, it, it was really, I think that like, it was really special. And like, I remember that being like a very special time in my life because like, I could see like on their faces, how happy they were to like, be able to like keep the Barbies when I gave it to them. And it was like, oh, now like, it's kind of like a toy story thing. Like now they will like go on to like live with these girls and they will have their own stories. Yay. Hey, you guys, you can see me now. Hi. Hi. I found the camera. Oh. <laughs> so I had to what? do was push yeah. a little button to the side and there it is. So yay. <laughs> nice to see you all. And you, see you me. too. So, Anna Maria, um, (laughs) similar question that I posed to Barbara, you you as an artist were um, on a Barbie title. So what were you told in terms of how you could express yourself artistically within a framework? So what framework was given to you even for Barbie and how you could draw her or others appearing in the books? Well, I had a, I had a, kind of a rough start at first, my first issue I drew. And at the time, Hildy was not the editor, uh, Fabian Nicieza was. And I drew the first issue. He, he, he said, you're not on model. And so I said, okay, I will do it over again. And oh. I did. And it was a learning a learning experience because everything had to be you know, her eyes had to be in the right size and proportion, her nose, her mouth, the hair. It was mostly in the facial features that I had to, you know, just refine it and and be spot on. And from then on, I never had a problem. And I think I, she kind of changed over, over the years. They wanted her eyes to look a different way and, and that's all right. But uh, once I got this the hang of it it was great and the and I need to tell you a story the very first editor the man who called me while I was working at Hallmark to ask me if I wanted to draw Barbie was a dear old editor named Sid Jacobson the greatest oh he was he was a sweetheart yeah and he called he somehow he got my number at Hallmark because I was working in licensing there and I had done an earlier book for Sid, uh, a Hallmark um, license called Hug a Bunch. And so, you know, I had, I was the Marvel artist, even though it was for Hug a Bunch. And Sid called me at Hallmark and said, I've got something great for you to draw. Barbie, what do you think? And it's going to be all girls on it. And I thought, 
awesome. I said, yes, of course. And uh, that, that started it all. It was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun drawing Barbie. And the creative team for Barbie was primarily women, which, yes, yes. which it, was rare um, in the comics industry at that time. It, um, it was amazing that we were actually all there. We were all hiding out and Barbie <laughs> brought us out. Yeah, it, it was wonderful to have a comic for all women. And, and we would go to conventions together. And oh, it, was, yeah. it was wonderful. And we had a few male anchors, but uh, for the most, and some female anchors too, but like Barbara Kaleberg, but. Um, and it, and it Trina, more... Trina did inking too, Trina Robbins. Oh yes, that's true. Yes, yes. But uh, for the most part, it was, it was all girls and it, it was just a very nice sensibility that, that we put into the books and Barbie you you were saying Barbara that she became this feminist person. She she became a real model for for little girls. Yeah. And there was a one point where Marvel had the mega tours. Do you remember those? Yeah. And I was invited to appear at a few of them, and they gave me a stack of Barbies to give away, and the little girls that were in line to come meet me thought they were going to meet Barbie. Oh, I know. big disappointment. They met me with my black hair and all that, but I would give them their first comic for most of these little girls. They received their first ever comic and it was a Marvel Barbie comic. So I'm, I was very happy about that experience. That's so awesome. I am so sad I missed these Marvel tours because that would have been so epic to meet like female creators working yes. on a, a female-centric book at, yes. at Marvel. Oh my gosh. Y'all need to bring that back, please. We will we will turn out, right, Isabel? Yes. We will turn out. <laughs> oh my god, yes. In cosplay. <laughs> I mean that neon orange dress. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, done. I, Already I need, adding it to my uh, cost plans. Done. <laughs> I need to show you a. Um, while I was at Hallmark, we did have Barbie as a license, and uh, I need to show you a card I did. Oh, beautiful! Thank you. And it was just a for a project. They wanted us I'll, to I'll see. I bet that was a great seller. Um, I think it was. It says inside, I just realized something. Years from now, we'll still be perfect, and the rest of the world will still be jealous. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. That's they, so cute. Um, we, it, it, was, it was fun doing Barbie. I, they, they didn't. This was the, one of the um, rare uh, opportunities. They actually let me paint her, but most of them were photo uh, cards of a little girl and maybe her grandmother holding a Barbie. But anyway, this was one of my, one of my favorites. Um, I, I, I had a question for you guys, if I may, um, for both um, Anna and Barbara, um, especially like about, well, especially like about the writing, Barbara, can you please explain, um, and I, I, I'm kind of leading you on here because I kind of know the answer, but um, I, I think this is something that I, I really wanna hear from your point of view. Can you please explain like some of the differences in when you're creating a story that is for girls 
versus a story that's for guys like X-Men or something like that? Like what are, what are, what were some of the differences like then in the nineties when they were telling you to create the Barbie comic? And what do you think um, that has evolved into now? Like what are some of the key differences between boy centered stories and girl centered stories? Uh, they're totally, totally different. Uh, do you think I did X-Men? <laughs> no. <laughs> I was going to say, I, I, you know, the that would have been awesome, Barb, if you wrote an X-Men comic. Yeah. Uh, X-Factor comic. I, I, did tr- I did try to do some um, superheroes, but it, it didn't work out. Uh, the the girls' line, uh, it was with Barbie and um, Beauty and the Beast and Pocahontas. So a lot of boys read that too. So, you know, the girls, the girls line started with Barbie and I thought that was brilliant to have her as the first character. But um, I, I'm not, I, I have been doing characters for girls starting with Ms. Liz, who was a greeting card actually, and a mm-hmm. feminist greeting card. So my bend is really about girls and I haven't really done much for boys. I mean, Beauty and the Beast, of course, was both, but um, you know, I am very prejudiced towards little girls and giving them a voice. And, you know, so many girls are hard on themselves, you know, and look, uh, you know, for uh, other role models that are very sad role models, you know. I think Barbie was a great role model. But I, all my stories had, um, a message. And it's funny, I'm glad you told me about reading these stories because I opened them up and I haven't seen them. I haven't opened up a Barbie. <laughs> and uh, what is it? Anna, what is it? Is it, tw- is it 20? I don't even know where the time goes. Is it 20, 30, 50 years? When do we do these? In the 90s, right? So we, we are these in the 90s. So how many years ago? I'm very bad at my 24. So, <laughs> so it's, it's about 30 years. How many? Yeah. It's about 30 years. Um, the okay. first one that we're going to talk about is from 1992. Okay, so it's about 30 years. So when you gave sure. me this, I, I went through my files and I have every Barbie that's ever been printed. I collect them all. And I started reading them. And it was like I had no idea what was going to happen next. It was a story. It was wonderful. It was, and I read it and I said, what a good message that this is. Like that one message where Skipper is saying hello to this guy and he totally ignores her. Yeah. And uh, she feels bad and she wonders, what did, what did I do to him? That's so we relevant were, now. We were such good friends. And I yeah. still do this at my age. I still say someone didn't look at me strange or, yeah. you know, but here this is a story where Skipper is doubting herself because he didn't say hello and and so at the end she he comes by and she says starts talking and she goes gee I you didn't even say hello to me when I when I waved I was wondering why and he goes well I was at the movies or something he it wasn't even him so he was riding his bike he was not in the canoe (laughs) thank you thank you so you know, and I'm like, oh, what a great ending, you know, like, yeah. I was so happy about seeing that this message, and hopefully kids take this at, uh, when you're six years old, Isabel, when, you know, take this message and say, oh, j- 
just because someone didn't say hello to me doesn't mean that they don't like me. It could be they could have their own world. They could have things going on in their own world. But everybody is so sensitive to themselves, you know. Yeah. So all these stories that I've written, uh, I you know, I read them all. And I thought, you know, there's always a, a message for a little girl. And I was very proud of that. And uh, yeah. you're referencing uh, the middle story from issue 21. And this story is why I selected this issue as well. And there's a specific panel. We have a teddy bear cover um, executed wonderfully by Anna Maria. Thank and, you. Um, uh, it must have come out. It, it is a fall cover um, cover date. So the background is very fall themed. Instead of leaves, we have little teddy bears as a pattern. Um, the panel that really sold me on this is Ken and Barbie talking with Skipper. And it's on page 18. And this is when she's feeling sad and she's explaining that to Barbie and Ken. And Ken says, after all, you're not responsible for anyone else's moods. You're only responsible for your own. And Barbie oh, adds, and everyone is entitled. Excellent. And everyone is entitled to their own feelings. And as a 37-year-old man, I'm looking at this and welling up and I'm like, Barbie's so right. Like, this is a good lesson to keep in mind, even as adults, that everyone has their own feelings. They can have them and you're not in charge of them. You're not responsible. So that really stood out to me from this entire issue is just that single panel. Oh, thank you. I feel like it's like today it's super relevant, you know, especially in the age of social media where like, you think you might like hurt someone's feelings if you don't do something, but it's not. Yeah. yeah. It's just such a great, it's a universal message. It's very timeless. Mm -hmm. And I think this kind of like, um, really goes in, you know, talking about the question that I had asked about like boys that are in media versus girls that are in media. And I think this is one of the reasons why like we should really like be encouraging um, like, I guess boys to read girls in media as well. Because I think that like one of the big key takeaways, especially like when we look at the, at the at these Barbie comics is that um, it is very centered on like emotional intelligence and like solving your problems through like understanding your emotions versus like as much as I love like X-Men, for example, my other <laughs> example, um, it's very like, like X-Men comics are very much like, we're gonna punch our problems away versus like, let's try to figure this out. Let's try to like have some emotional intelligence. Yeah. And I, I think that there's like something that's really key there um, when we're looking, especially like at girl um, centered media. And I'm, I feel very grateful you know, like my librarian definitely, she pointed me towards this, but like, I think about how many other people may have not read it because they were like, oh, well, that's too girly. And I think that like, that's one of the things even like about Barbie is that like Barbie is and has always been like very um, feminine and very girly. And some people might be like, well, I don't identify with that. So I'm just going to stay away from it versus just like giving, you know, something a chance and like trying to understand it. And yeah. Anna Marie, the, um, the character of Barbie in the comics, the way she's drawn, she had a boob reduction. 
she's, you know, we had, she, her boobs. True, very true. <laughs> she just became like a normal looking girl. We yes. didn't have all this cleavage. I mean, we left it up to the guys in their comics. But I was so happy that Barbie had a figure that was something that, well, I, I still can't relate to her figure, but it was closer <laughs> than having yes. these huge breasts, you know. Definitely. So I think that was a really important thing that the way I, I was careful not to give her the doll boobs, you know, yeah, give her, I gave her normal, a normal figure, very slim, Even but her sense of style too. Like she wasn't always wearing like skin tight outfits. Yeah. There were times when she had like oversized, like, like crew necks on t-shirts, you know, there was a balance and yes. it, she was still fashionable, but it was it was for her. She was dressing for her. Yes. I think right. Mattel has become become very aware of girls and mothers and women saying, "No, we we really don't want her to look like that." <laughs> so, I like the practicality of her outfit when she was helping fix the gutters. Like, oh yes, she was well, like I don't know that outfit. We're all talking at once about the gutters. <laughs> well, uh, Michelle, it sounds like you already have your Barbie cosplay done. Um, <laughs> because she was dressed sensibly, you can probably pull off a look from one of these issues right now if you wanted to. I, I mean, I definitely have some of these pieces in my closet. And I, I like when she was at her grandparents' house doing these chores, I'm like, that's what I would wear like regularly because you dress like sensibly for whatever it is you're doing. Like no one's gonna wear platform like espadrilles and like fancy dresses, like ball gowns all the time, <clears throat> you know? So just to see her dressing very down to earth in clothes that we could just pull from our closets, it was it was very refreshing. Very. And, and that's that story. I'm sorry, just interrupting. That story is about Grandpa, who's part of who's getting losing his hearing, losing his hearing. Yeah. So the tying in with the old house, and and I live in an old house, so everything falls apart. So I I could go anywhere, <laughs> and all the chores that they were doing was happening in my house, especially the gutters. <laughs> so this is um, issue 44 of Barbie Fashion, and. This is um, a bit more rare in terms of the writing style, where we have a story extending throughout the entire book. So um, issue 21 that we just touched on lightly prior to this actually had three stories in it. And that was fairly standard so that you could have um, Barbie in different situations or Barbie's friends in different situations. So you could maybe do two Barbie stories and a Skipper-centric story. Um, there, was, there was a theme throughout the whole thing. Yes. So even though the last story in issue 44 is um, very much Skipper, it's still tied into the rest of the issue. And um, I want to touch on the cover just a little bit to show how inflation has changed the food market. Because <laughs> Phil, Philip picked up this issue and he, and he said... Oh. I want five plums for 25 cents. Um, really? Yes. Absolutely. 
Um, the, the produce is very affordable in the 1990s, especially when Barbie visits a farm stand. I mean, that's why I, that's how we ended up with 18 raised beds in the backyard of like, <laughs> we're going to grow our <laughs> Yep. And that cover was beautifully drawn by Amanda Connor, not oh. me. Yes, you have interiors on this book. I, I did all the interiors, but she, she did the cover. And and the price a lot of covers. <laughs> um, so, as you said, Barbara, this is a story about um, Barbie and Ken going out to visit her grandparents and um, fixing up things. And they find out that um, Grandpa Sam is hard of hearing, and Grandma Edna is maybe the undercover star of this story. Um, she is living for Jane Fonda workouts. Yes. Um, she is an active senior citizen, which is awesome to see. Um, I don't think is that it, it, back in the nineties, I mean, I, I was of an age where I had grandparents and I, uh, this grandma reminds me of one of my grandmas who was super active. Um, and it, before this, you really didn't see grandparents being, out and about doing things it was more the media at the time was very much grandparents stayed at home and did their own thing but grandma edna is out there living life i mean yeah she gardens but she has other things on her plate hey gardening is a thing yeah and yeah she's for me she's serving grandma dorothy realness like she Your was own grandma my grandma she was always on the move except when she took her 45 minute nap and then she was like back <laughs> at 100 percent again like in all the things and there she is in her garden. Yes. yes. Yeah. And going through it, I you did such a good job with the scenery and everything around because I could identify which flowers are which. Like, oh, those are some irises. Oh, those are those are the daffodils. And they are different, even though they're the same color and like recognizable, even for background flowers. Thanks. I use a lot of reference. <laughs> me, me, as a non-artist, when I draw flowers, they all look the same. They, it's just swirlies that I color differently. <laughs> so, um, Michelle, you, uh, what stands out to you about this issue aside from just practicality and clothing choices? Is there anything that you found really fun or something that stuck out? Uh, there were there were two things for me in this issue. Um, the first was actually, it's funny, the female-centric book, but Ken kind of gets his moment with grandpa when the grandma says, like suggests to Barbie, you know what, like Ken and grandpa have a really good rapport, you know, maybe grandpa will listen to our concerns if it's coming from, you know, a, a male figure instead of all the women in his life you know, it can be seen as like, you know, nagging or something. And right. Ken goes to grandpa and grandpa still gets upset. He's just like, I'm fine, even though he's not. But the fact that Ken approached him so well and he used his words, he was very kind. He wasn't he like kind. accusatory. It was, it was a very nice moment, like, especially for in the way like men talk to each other or don't talk to each other <laughs> it was a very nice example uh, of that of that male um male i can't tell you how thrilled i am to be sitting here and listening to the analysis 
of this Barbie book. I, I, I'm just sitting back thinking, oh, this is, this is heaven. Thank you. <laughs> well, thank you for giving us these, these great stories. I mean, they're, they're just so relatable and, and teachable because even at the end with the baby birds and yes. the message at the end, like saying like, you know, you know, let the birds, let nature handle itself. And then if you wait and see, and if you need to ask for help, don't just interfere, maybe phone a friend or do some research before you attempt to save save some wildlife. <laughs> these, these are all, you know, I live in the country and I did see, you know, when birds were injured to watch them, but this is a lesson I learned that so much of it is, you know, what I learned from life, you know, but it's mm -hmm. true. It is true. I'm intrigued by myself, so I, I get it. I get it. <laughs> And something really cool about these issues um, being a girl-centric book and something that's incorporated that comics readers will recognize from other titles are letters pages. And I thought it was so great that you see all of these little girls writing in and talking about not only what the comics meant to them, but also what Barbie means to them. And Marvel giving the space to print that as well. So that um, it, it was probably Hildy writing the responses to these letters. And, and there's, there's nobody sweeter than Hildy. And, oh, she's a doll. And she had this blonde hair and she kind of had the whole Barbie vibe. And, <laughs> and I wanna also uh, mention Lisa Truziani was also a writer and, uh, and, yes. and Trina also wrote some. So these, we were all the writers. And it's oh, just no, great. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I was just going to mention it's great that, I mean, the letters aren't long. You're not getting them like from uh, an Incredible Hulk comic where you have someone who's read the title for 20 years and is pointing out like, oh, well, you know, they were wearing different pants. The Hulk was wearing different pants in this issue. And why is that happening? How dare you? How dare you? This is just honest reactions from kids and I think it's so cool that they're like you know this is my name I love reading your comics and that's all they're saying and they're still getting a response and they're still getting that column space where the I mean it shows the love for Barbie which is of course really great for the title and for selling it because then if Isabel is reading this in her library she can say oh there's someone that lives sort of where near I am in Indiana that reads this too, like, wow, there's a peer group out there and we're all reading and loving these comics. Um, it just really stood out to me as such a cool feature that was important, obviously, for Hildy to put into the book each issue. Yeah. And did, and did you know, uh, we also got some letters from boys. Did you know I'm that? I'm sure you did. Yeah. I, uh, it, it's more rare. Um, I'm referencing the letters page in 44 specifically it's the one that right I know but yeah there when I saw a little boy wrote to the Barbie comic I forget what issue it was it was wow and he said he liked the stories I remember that and I think Hildy wrote back that you know I'm so glad you like it and you know you get the story and you like the story and I hope you read more so 
There, there was one story that, uh, you know, there's not a lot of controversy in these letters pages, as you can see, it's mostly oh, Barbie, you know. but there was one story that I wrote about a um, Barbie going to a soup kitchen. And uh, instead of having Thanksgiving, she decided to uh, work at a soup kitchen. And I had it, it kept getting edited down and down and it wasn't Hildy, it was Mattel. They just didn't want to scare kids. And mm. so, you know, taking these people who were homeless and having their stories uh, end up happy was um, something that I, uh, I, I had the choice of either saying, I'm not doing this story. <laughs> you know, it's gotten so narrowed down to have everybody, because of course in the soup kitchen, you know, there's a lot of pain and suffering and uh, and Barbie's helping them. And so in the end, I went with the story because I kind of liked the idea that Barbie wasn't having Thanksgiving at home. And I got a very angry letter from a little girl who what? said, this is not real life. All these people do not go out and get jobs. This is nonsense. And I went, OK, you know, I hear you. But uh, that was the first controversial letter that I think I read. And uh, I kind of, I was kind of glad that, because I, I agreed with her, but I'm not going to, you know, say this guy goes out in the street and, you know, get some crack, you know, it's, it's just not going to be in a Barbie story. <laughs> that is not on message. <laughs> yeah, no, it was not on message, but, um, you know, they, that was, there, there were a couple of, stories like that that I touched on that were you know not as easy to write right right so I, I had a question so um Barbie you know she's been around for a while she's been around since 1959 and for a long time especially like with the dolls um she Mattel really stayed away from stories and like actually putting a personality on Barbie because the whole idea was that like kids that were playing with dolls would put their personality on the doll. Yeah. Um, and and Bar Barbie was a, a big sister to, uh, to a lot of girls. That's yeah. the way they saw her. So, so I, I was wondering like when, as you're developing these stories, you know, like what are some of the, the parameters in, in creating that personality? Because like before, like the, before even the comics, um, the first Barbie movie was in the 80s, which was Barbie and the Rockers. And that was in direct competition with Gem and the Holograms. Now, I'm also a huge Gem and the Holograms fan. They were like the first one. Uh, I know this is controversial. I know. But like we have to like we have to spill the tea and we have to like talk about this. But it's kind of like um, there's this great article in the New York Times, actually, from the 80s when Gem and the Holograms first came out, because it was saying that. Um, Dumb and the Holograms was forcing Barbie to like start to have a personality and to start to tackle some of these bigger issues because in the 80s cartoon, although like um, the doll line of Dumb and the Holograms did not succeed, the 80s cartoon was super, super popular and it was like very, um, Gem and her crew were like very much like they, they were like very feminists, they were very forward thinking, they were very um, uh, like involved in the community and, and they did deal with a lot of these like issues. And so um, 
Gemma the Holograms ends in 1989 and Barbie has like basic Barbie and the Rockers has like one. Um, and then we get into the nineties and now though, you guys kind of have this like kind of blank slate to be able to create Barbie and her personality and like, like who she is. So like when you're creating this, like uh, these personalities onto these characters, you know, like what are, what are like some of the parameters and, and goals and like who these characters are? Well, Barbie was, the comics were very uh, issue oriented. You know, the theme of what I wanted to write about is very, and Barbie was the one who, you know, saw the big picture and brought everybody into the bottom line of what the story is about. So she was a, a, a kind, lovely, she, there wasn't anything, she didn't have any issues. You know? She's always positive. <laughs> I, I always like very positive, like yes. don't, don't yeah. give up, keep, yeah. keep trying, you know, I'll help you as much as I can, but very positive. But uh, Skipper, had could have issues, oh and, my yes. and and Ken, you know Ken was for so long this guy who came over and hello Barbie here's some flowers you know so I really worked on Ken I wanted Ken to be this man about town I wanted him to travel I wanted him to have a great job because she's not going to be with this wimp you know and. Oh. Ken was a seemed to be a wimp, but I had him calling from, you know, overseas, and you know, can't wait to see you, Barbie. And so he was just not somebody who was handing Barbie flowers. So right. that was, but you know, Barbie. I, I did a lot of Betty and Veronica, and Betty and Veronica could fall. They could do it. The the way I saw them was to make them as uh, uh, do things that. Uh, like they would fall on the runway or they would do things that a little girl can see that even though they can make a fool out of themselves in the end they can they can survive so the the other characters and bell was a i love doing bell was a reader and she had she didn't take anything from the beast so those were meaty characters that i could work with but barbie was somebody who I just stepped back and let her be wonderful and pure and great, except for that envelope when she got, she put the wrong card <laughs> in the envelope. So I was holding my breath. I, I was wondering if it would get through. It had to get through Hildy and Hildy was all in. And then it had to get to Mattel. And, you know, I was just wondering if they were going to say, you know, that can't happen, but it, you know, it happened. So they, they let it go. But Barbie was, is a character that I love doing. I love the messages she gave, but she didn't have any edge to her. No edge. Which no. It just, I love, yeah. Oh, I love that um, you put the onus on Ken to get to Barbie's level. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Um, and in issue 21, I think, with um, Barbie trying to get a hold of Mr. Ted E. Bear. Yes. Like she, yeah. she's not doing anything wrong but I like that um in her perfection like she still has a, a t something to surmount like she still has to get that, a hold of that's him. true here's that this problem and then she goes through her problem solving and also points to Martha 
who is the give, secretary. Yes, she's giving some her uh, on the comms with everything, all the calls coming in. Um, and this was still super helpful. Um, and they weren't, they problem solved together, which yeah. Um, going into this, I was like, oh, Barbie, what are we doing? Um, my only context for Barbie was the 1960s board game that my sisters and I oh. played because my oh. aunt and mom had played it growing up where you had to get a dress, you had to get a, a boyfriend and you had to be a president of a club and then make it up the ladder to be queen of the prom without like having to go back home because your hem had ripped. <laughs> so, and look at you now. Look, look how you've evolved with Barbie from that yeah, to that. Um, and, and you played with a, a 60s Ken doll growing up. Yes, he had his like his purple carrying case and he had like a little golfer's hat that was in there. We found it when we cleaned the basement. That was super fun. Yeah. Or cleaned the attic, I should say. Um, so you grew up with a Ken. I had exactly one Ken growing up. Mine was Baywatch Ken because it was the 90s. So um had to get that license tie-in. So um I mean it speaking to a couple gay guys who then played with dolls who dressed them up and things like that too. Like it's it, Barbie as a line is an incredible creative outlet. And I think I picked the last issue that I want to touch on, which is issue 47. Um, two stories in it. Question and, for you. Uh, Daryl? Yeah. What, what was it like for you when you saw Ken in the nude? I mean, you're really wondering what's going on down there. Because yeah. It's just, yeah. It must have been uh, shattering on some level. It, he's not like us yes like i am not built like ken ken is very smooth <laughs> and like the torso and like the even the facial features were just all too too perfect yeah, well, yeah that was a, that was the whole whole thing so to get through he um too, he was too perfect too perfect you know yes I, um, I, I follow with Ken is like his hard hair, like um, as a doll. Yeah. Like I really yeah. appreciated it when they actually gave him hair. That I'm like, oh, I could do something the with this gel, gel <laughs> hair. Yes. I remember getting the him. 60, you could put gel in his hair. Ooh, and style it. The '60s yes. Ken has the fuzz, right? Yes, yes. He has, not the same. It's, it's not that long you hair. It's not off. molded. It's just that felt basically on top of yeah. his head yeah buzz and he also could not stand up he had a there was like a yeah. cool stand a brace for him poor guy um, i always liked the john Smith doll because he was i think he was still made by mattel but he had this like glorious locks that you could put in ponytail or you who could take that? him out and they, who was like, that oh he was the Pocahontas John Smith doll. Yes, oh. yes, 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 yes. I, I remember this. Loved that one. That was, that was my, that was my Ken. <laughs> I was always wondering who, where the other boys went from that game because there was Ken, but there was also Tom and Alan, Alan, and then Poindexter. I somehow I, my there were four of us so one of us always ended up with poindexter and then well, tom i think was the most sought after alan married midge and then after that they just kind of 
got rid of them, which that's like a whole controversy in and of itself. And it's very yeah. interesting. Once you get married, that's like the end. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, I only had an Allen and um, not a Ken. And I thought he was not rugged enough for my female dolls. So I stole my brother's uh, G.I. Joe. And he nice. was way, you know, he was hungry. He fit the bill, yeah. Yes, he did. He did. Hey, and I, I have you know, I gave him a I gave him a, a goatee and a beer, you know, with a marker. I, I bastardized I my dolls. Them. They were I was awful. I have had this conversation with like different people on my podcast as well about Ken and just like who was dating your Barbie and there are very few people who actually put Ken and Barbie together but Ooh. it finds me very very interesting I I had like one Ken but it was because like my mom didn't really buy me Ken's so he like would date one Barbie and then the rest of my Barbies were lesbians <laughs> <laughs> My Barbie always married Godzilla because my brothers and I would play together. So Barbie married Godzilla, and then my baby brother, he was all like the little baby dinosaurs like from <laughs> Jurassic Park. So that's how I played with my brothers with Barbie. That's hilarious. <laughs> um, speaking of helping someone overcoming something. And, when, and relationships. And relationships. So the second half of issue oh. 47... We're going to return to the first half because it's a really fun story. Um, I would say that the emotionally resonant story is the second one, though, where Barbie's friend Cynthia, her roommate from college, is coming out for a visit. And Cynthia has had just a really bad breakup. Um, and I mean, there's some comic relief in there, too. Like, there's a flashback to their college days and Cynthia comes in with, like, one of those Costco massive carts full of luggage but only shows up to barbie's place with one suitcase yes and, and by the like, way by the way um cynthia is modeled after me at the time i had straight hair and bangs and i think i might have been going through my divorce but she's basically me <laughs> this is a i mean it's a very realistic depiction of just not not just a breakup, but someone just, you know, having a little bit of sadness. And um, I love that the ice cream brand is Hog on Dis instead of... Hog on Dis, yes. <laughs> Hog on Dis. Um, she is in bed surrounded by used Kleenexes with a portable television. I mean... Watching those soaps. Yeah. And Watching... Um, uh, which is... All My Children? All My Children, yes. <laughs> um, I never missed which, all my which I did. I watched that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's very true to life. It is. Um, and this, you know, this is basically me. I was looking in a mirror when I drew a lot of her faces. So there you go. That's great. That's so fun. It's um, it's so beautifully drawn. Uh, it's, thank you. And, and I love I love when she's crying that you've done these broken hearts. And then that um, that page where the sun, you have the sun as a divider. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 27. Great, beautiful layout. Love that. Yeah. She's starting Thank to you. come to life. And uh, and just instead of doing the lines, you drew the sun, which is brilliant. Love it. Thank you. 
so to summarize so the plot, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, sorry. I was just gonna say I love um I love how when her friend is so sad and Barbie doesn't tell her to just be happy. She yeah. tells her like, listen, yeah. you can be sad. That's okay. Just don't just give yourself this one period of time to to be to be the sad and then try doing other things like you know still live your life and that whole like sunburst panel where she's doing all these things like even when she first starts I think they go on the bike ride yes and she kind of sees like the couple on the bench and she's like oh you know I've like I'm starting to like feel it again and Barbie's like "Uh uh-uh you can you have your time to feel that way but right now let's like live in this moment let's enjoy this this nature this activity our time together and then when you get to the sun part and you see her doing all these things and she doesn't once like mention her heartbreak and I feel like all of us go through that especially when it's like your first real relationship and you're just like dang like I am just in my sads but you know it's going to be okay and like every day it gets a little bit better and you think about that person less and less and I think that panel really encompasses when she's finally like, you know what? Yeah, I'm I'm happy. I'm doing things I like. I'm doing things for me. And I love that the story does not end with her getting a new boyfriend. Yes. She has admirers, but you know, she oh, okay. has a good time at the at the party. She can feel good. Like it helps her feel good to be admired. Like as as a woman, like we'd like to be appreciated. And, yeah, there's always there's always that guy in your well, for me, there's this guy in your life that you think that this is like you really can't enjoy life unless you're with him. Something about mm-hmm. him has taken over your life. And to find out that you can live without that person is is what I have a 26-year-old now who's going through all of this. And just the other day, I'm like, yeah, think you can be depressed for 15 minutes a day. And I, I just realized that this, this is what I did with Barbie, too. That this is you wrote it. You wrote yeah. it. You should give her this issue. Give her the issue. Yeah. And yeah. that's yeah. so, yeah, just going through heartbreak is so difficult. But yeah, I'm really glad that that it did end that way, that she realizes that she can have fun without him. And yeah. that she can carry it with her. Like it's it's a part of her, but it's she's a part of she's a whole. It, like the relationship part is not all encompassing, that she can still do these things, that she can still live her life. And yeah, mm-hmm. she's a bit heartbroken, but accepting that fact about herself seemed so wonderful. Yeah. Great story. Yeah. I think it's also very interesting because like I feel like this story is, um, it has, to me, it had, it's a very adult themed story. Cause like as a kid, I could care less about boys. And I was actually like kind of a late bloomer. Like I didn't, <laughs> I didn't really care about boys until I was like 17 and like a senior in high school. Like for the most part, I was like, guys are idiots. <laughs> um, so it's like, it's very interesting and really cool to actually read it as an adult and to like really understand it. Cause I feel like um, as a kid, like reading like a story like this, it 
it, it didn't resonate with me, but it made me understand, for example, like my mom and like why my mom might be upset, like with my stepdad or like, you know, what, what she might be going through or what, like some of the adults in my life might be going through. That's um, yeah. Yeah. I can tell you drawing this story helped me a lot <laughs> with my, with my emotions. Yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, reading through, I just like went through a breakup. So like reading through it now as an adult, I'm like, this resonates with me a lot now. But Did you like, you're just going through a breakup? Yeah, I just went through a breakup like a month ago. So oh, how, how are you doing? I'm okay. I'm actually on the other side now. I'm on the side of like, I'm emotionally okay. But it was like that those first couple of weeks of like getting over it. And so now I'm just yeah. like, oh, but it was That's funny just like reading it. Yeah. And I wanted to end this episode by going to the first story in this issue. So we're at issue 47, Barbie fashion. It is Barbie out in the world. Barbie the world traveler who's also <laughs> modeling. Like a quizessential <laughs> 90s Barbie setting and story that was really comedic. I, I thought it was really fun and funny. You've got this cute, very cute story. This tourist who like constantly has a little heart hanging around his head whenever he sees Barbie, <laughs> and he's going to all the um, all the highlights of Paris: Notre Dame, the Tuileries, the Louvre, Eiffel Tower, Eiffel Tower, and it, um, and she just picks up a dog. <laughs> yes, Pierre the poodle, um, <laughs> and. Pierre is being used as a photo prop um, because sometimes you need a cute pet to really up the level of your photo shoot, especially now in like the age of Instagram and uh, um, influencing and things like that. We all know the value of a good prop in a picture. Um, but but our rabbits would never. So they would not. No. Um, but um, Barbie takes on Pierre and. Pierre's owner is like, oh, the way that you really get to calm Pierre down um, or really get work your way into Pierre's heart is to sing this song. Um, and, and it turns into a duet because Pierre even has little musical notes around his little bow wow wows. Yes. But you also have to pet, give him many pets once an hour. And a he bone. Has, yeah, he has to have his chewy bone. Yes. Pierre is high maintenance. <laughs> Um, and of course there are shenanigans. Pierre wanders off and into the backpack of the most 90s looking dude on the face of the earth. Shout out to Anna Maria's depiction of this guy um, because he has the he has the ponytail, uh, the backwards cap, the backwards hat. Yeah, the backwards cap. Um, New York. He has the New York cap. Yes. Um, the backpack and Pierre finds himself in the backpack and <laughs> Barbie is frantically running around singing this song until she hears the the bow wow coming from the backpack. And I love the, the rustles of the backpack too as <laughs> Pierre is inside doing whatever Pierre is doing. And um, Pierre's returned with his owner none the wiser that um, that lovable little scamp had an adventure. So it, <laughs> it shows also the versatility in your writing, Barbara, that the the back half the story we just reviewed is very serious and deals with uh, what you mentioned isabel emotional intelligence and 
Barbie serving as uh, a role model and a motivator in a friend's life. And then you get a very fun comedic story as well, where you could turn on a dime um, and write two very different stories that impact someone in different ways in one issue. Yeah, thank you, yeah. It, well, I think it was well, it, it, the idea that kids Harris. Yeah, the yeah. idea that Barbie can be live anywhere and go anywhere, you know, so you, we can take her to Paris, and she that that that's the freedom that was there. So yeah, I I appreciate what you just said, and you know it's funny because I was reading this story, and of course I had no idea what was going to happen, and uh. uh I was watching a video, I, I guess it was online, of this um, dog listening to the song. Remember that song, Turn Around Bright Eyes? Oh, yeah. Every time the song, every time the song said, turn around, the dog would turn around. Yeah. <laughs> and, he, and I read this, I said, oh, that wasn't so crazy that then I was thinking, you know, the dog hears the song and responds to it. Cool. It reminded me of the, the movie French Kiss with Kevin Klein and Meg Ryan, also, <laughs> also serving some 90s. <laughs> <laughs> um, I Can I interject a little bit here and, Absolutely. and tell Barb, this, this issue that you wrote was one of my favorites. Oh, what could you tell us the title and issue number? It's regular Barbie, it's, not Barbie. It's Batman. Barbie number 57. And, you know, I put special rhinestones in the title and she goes to Nashville to look for the next big star and it, the word gets around and it was just a really, really wonderful story. Many people come to audition for her and we have a little heroine, little girl, young, young girl, who goes there and she doesn't get picked. So she goes home dejected. She goes back to her, her farm home and her family hears her playing her song on the front porch and it gets all around to everybody on the farm. I'm looking for the picture here. And Everybody on the farm hears her singing and she still thinks, well, I'll just entertain myself and my family, but her, her younger brother tapes her and sends the tape to Barbie. So Barbie hears her again and, and decides it's very, it's very heartfelt. It comes from the heart and that's what country music is all about. And so it's a happy ending. She gets to play at Grand Old Opry, but it was just, wonderful to draw because it's a wonderful story barb and i thank you for that well thank you i i have to read it it's <laughs> great it's absolutely great it's funny and i got to draw a lot of cowboy hats so i learned <laughs> something <laughs> oh, that makes me very happy i All just right. wanted to tell you that yeah thank you. as we're ending the episode um i invite any of you to really chat about anything regarding Barbie comics um, and how you would like maybe to suggest people dig them up and read them. Um, 
what does it mean to you having worked on or read Barbie comics? I'm I'm just happy that uh, some little girls, a lot of little girls, got their first comic uh, handed by me to them, and and it was a Barbie comic, and their eyes lit up, literally, that when they when they got it, that meant a lot to me. What about I, you, Barb? <laughs> at the comic conventions, like wonderful girls, you're a woman now, but. Uh, women, girls like Isabel, and I, I don't know if you go to the comic conventions, Michelle, probably, but that was the highlight when little girls, would, little girls, women now would come over and say, oh, I read your comics every month. I couldn't wait to read it. And so that was, that, that was really exciting to see how my words influenced these uh, kids. But I just have to say, um, you know, all these women and girls that I've been writing through the years, and there have been a lot of them, I'm writing the story about Cassidy Hutchinson now. Does everybody know who she is? No, she sounds familiar. She's the one that came forward and uh, kind of broke the code of silence about Trump. You know, if you, oh, you, yeah, you yeah, yeah. saw her on TV, she had that white coat on with black hair. She's so much fun to draw. She's got this beautiful black hair and she so I, I I was so taken by her. So I'm my comic is I'm actually finishing it up now, but it's a it's the Cassidy Hutchinson story. But it's another superhero, it's another hero, like Barbie. And but this is somebody, a real life one. So I was uh, really captivated by her and um you'll be seeing it soon it's coming out so. i've, I've seen your work in progress barb on uh facebook and it does look yeah. like a great story because it's true it, it's an amazing story the um when her uh, testimony came out yeah uh, mm -hmm. i'm blanking on her name um liz cheney Liz Cheney interviewed her. So it was the two of them back and forth. And I read that testimony. As soon as I read it, I went, I'm writing this story. It's it read like a spy novel. It was yeah. so yeah. incredible. So uh yeah, that's um uh that'll be I I I'm passionate about women heroes. So this is one that I thought was really somebody that I wanted to capture as a graphic novel. I will definitely check that out. Um, do you know, uh, is it, are you writing it independently? Or are you writing it like with a, um, with I, a organization or a company? I'm writing it independently, you know, and I, I did the same thing with the Mueller report. I just started writing it a page a day. By the time you find a publisher and the rejections and all that stuff you have to go through. Now I just, if I'm passionate about it, I'm writing it and then I'm putting it out. And that's the end of the story. I don't have anybody uh, I actually, Hildy is my editor. Hildy Mesnick is. <laughs> I never let her go since <laughs> everything I ever do, I let her. And the thing about her is, she tells me like sometimes if it's not on, it's not working. I hear her on the phone yawning. Oh God! I know that it's okay, so I got to step it up. She's very cruel at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> But you really need an editor like that that keeps you on point. So, and the other thing about Liz Cheney and Cassidy Hutch Hutchinson is they became 
really close. And you see at the end, there's this hug between these two people, very unlikely people, because Cassie Hutchinson worked for Trump for years. And, and she and her whole family, uh, I'm getting off on Cassidy, but this is my new thing. And she's, uh, but her whole family, uh, she had her relatives were QAnon. And here this woman had to tell the truth. And the thing that really captured me is when her friend said, are you gonna be able to look at yourself in the mirror for the rest of your life if you don't tell the truth? Because she was wavering back and forth. And that to me was the underlying theme of telling the truth and being able to really look at yourself. So I'm excited about it coming out. Yeah. Good for you. Awesome. And, that sounds um, awesome. And also to close out the episode as we roll into it, where can people find you to stay updated on your work? I think it's really important that we also direct people to wherever you would like to be found. So Barbara, where can people find you and the updates as you're uh, um, preparing to publish this? Barbaraslate.com is my website, but I also own, I'm also on Twitter and Facebook and I, I, keep, I keep up on that. Although recently I haven't been posting because I'm finishing it up and I don't have time, I wanna get it out. So it's coming out. Great. Anna Maria, where can people find you and your work? I have no website, but I do have an Art of Anna Maria Cool uh, page on Facebook. And uh, I have stuff coming out later this year and next year. So I'll be talking about it on, on Facebook. Wonderful. Um, and then as we're closing out with Michelle and Isabel, same question about where people can find you and also the impact, you know, that reading these Barbie comics had on you. Um, and then we will say our goodbyes to the audience and I'll stop the recording. And then we can say goodbye to one another more informally. Um, so let's go, Michelle, followed by Isabel. So <clears throat> growing up, I was in a very small town and we had like one comic book store. So I think I was only able to read like one or two Barbie comics like in the shop. And uh, a majority of the comics I purchased were Marvel related titles. But they were about like young males. Like, I read a lot of uh, Generation X and like Silver Sable, um, X Men comics that had really beautiful covers with the ladies on them too. Mm -hmm. So I wasn't exposed to the Barbie comics in real time. I only found out about them later on as I as a collector. But Barbie herself, like the doll, had such a huge impact on me. I just I loved that she could be anybody that I wanted her to be, that she could have like a diverse group of friends. Like I said, I always had all the Disney dolls too because they were, you know, they weren't blonde and white. So I had like an Esmeralda doll. I had a Pocahontas doll. I had my John Smith Ken because he <laughs> had the best hair. And I just, I used to, I used to go thrifting a lot with my mom and she would always like help me like look for Barbies in the wild. And I remember going to Toys R Us when we still had those and we would look at all of the collector dolls with their their glamorous dresses I specifically remember like a Scarlett O'Hara green curtain 
dress Barbie. She was just so beautiful with her real eyelashes and everything. And uh, I'm just so glad Barbie is having like this, like, what word? like not resurgence, but her, she's just coming back like into the fold. I know she, she went through a period of time where, you know, she wasn't the best role model or it was just getting a little too sexy. And I'm excited to see where it goes. I would love to see y'all at some conventions as well. Maybe doing some new Barbie comics for today's kids and women. Because I know me and Isabel would totally read and support y'all. Just thank you for for everything that you've done. For little girls, big girls, and um, men as well. Men and boys too. Everybody. So sweet. Thank you. It's so wonderful to hear that. Thank you. Yes. And Michelle, where can people find you? Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Um, well, I'm on Instagram at Michelle Waffalo, or you can just type in Michelle Waffle. Uh, I do a lot of cosplay. I go to a lot of conventions. I'm a co-host on Power of X-Men. And I just, I love comics. I love strong female characters. So if you see me at a con, you know, definitely come say hi. I would love to meet y'all. Who, who's your cosplay characters? Well, I grew up with X-Men, so I'm definitely like a Jean Grey, 90s, like big shoulder pads type of girl. But more recently, I, I did the Hellfire Gala Emma Frost uh, cosplay. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you're familiar with the Met Gala of, yeah. of X-Men, but I, I did her second look with the triangles and the the boob window <laughs> are you a, are you are you a uh, fashion designer by by trade is that what you do is that what you do i'm not i actually do marketing and operations for an interior design firm so i'm a creative um i create cosplays with my mom she is such a great seamstress she literally brings all of my costumes to life for me I just do like the accessories or the small like alterations, sewing buttons, things like that. Cool. And then I, I hope to see you at one of these conventions. Yeah. I'll, I will be looking for you both. If, if your names ever come up, I will definitely come find you. Great. Great. And Isabel, um, where can people find you and uh, Barbie and comics and everything about her? Um, go ahead. Thank you. Well, first off, um, really just a huge thank you to like both Barbara and Anna Marie for like creating this. And as a kid who grew up reading this, it is kind of like surreal that I'm talking to you guys. Uh, <laughs> like it's just like my inner kid is like, oh, you're like, you're actually talking to them. Like, this is really cool. <laughs> it's, it's very great. important. It's so, it's so great listening to you and, um, this is going to carry me for a while to that it's been such an effect on you it's really makes me happy thank you well and i mean it really i i i seriously i i'm really really grateful to both of you because i do feel like growing up um i like in my family we like my family they have always been low income and so a lot of like the books and things that I read was because I went to the library and just like a lot of discovery came from 
being able to have really awesome librarians who were offering me things. And I feel very happy and grateful that, um, that they offered me like this comic to read and that it like had an impact on me and just like how the world is limitless. And like, I, and honestly, like I really, really, really would love it if Marvel or if, uh, if another comic company was able to pick up the Barbie comic again, because I feel like this is a thing that, you know, now that Barbie has evolved, because she really has, especially in the last few years, she's become so much more like self-aware and so much more conscious about the world. Like no longer is Barbie that she has to be perfect. Now, like, you know, within Barbie's image is that she like can be passionate about the world and also understand like her own mistakes and limitations. I would love to see that in a comic. I think that would be so great. And I also, um, I'm very, very happy because of like the fashion of the comics. And I would love to see like the fashions, like having like a, a Met Gala style, like Barbie um, uh, comic would be so amazing and so fun. I and like, that. I also think that it's kind of like when we look, especially Barbie in the nineties. And I think like this is very important because like, I feel like I know the difference between who Barbie actually is and the image that I feel like patriarchy superimposed on her because Barbie has never been a character who like when I when I played with her when I read the comics like me understanding her clothes and even like changing her clothes that she was like over sexualized I feel like the world and patriarchy superimposed that on her and how they represented her like this is why like the aqua song was so controversial and Mattel did take the 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 group aqua to court for like years and this is why like the aqua song is not in the barbie movie because like they were misrepresenting what barbie was like they were making barbie like oh she's just this blonde bimbo who's like sexual and that's not who barbie is at all like barbie is a character who is smart and compassionate and fun and like it, and knows that she doesn't have a limit to like do whatever she wants. And I like, that's the takeaway that I always took with me. And I think a lot of that has to do with like reading these comics and just being able to like put that story along with the dolls. So it, it's, it's very, very meaningful to me. And like, I feel very happy and grateful that like I got to grow up in a time when like that was there and available and that it was just like, I was very lucky, like right for this right time. So. Cool. That's great. You know, the, the other thing about reading comics is uh, my daughter was a terrible reader. She had no interest in reading until the Betty and Veronica, every month I would get them because I was writing them. And that's how she learned to read is through comics. And that's a really good point, too, that I'm sure your reading the comics helped you read. You know, yeah. I'm a reader. I'm actually like fun fact I did. I had a lot of struggle with reading. Um, I, I grew up in a, in a bilingual household and we had lived in Puerto Rico before living in Indiana and then we moved back to Puerto Rico. And so um, English as a child was not my first language. And so one of the reasons why like librarians and teachers and stuff would give me like comics and some oh. of these other things was to help me to learn how to better read. Maybe I should have learned with that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah, 
um, they, I, that, that was one of the things that definitely helped me to like, to actually become a reader um, as, and I love to read now, but it was because I had really great teachers and librarians who were like giving me things that they thought would be interesting to me to help me to read. Wonderful. Wonderful. But yeah. So and, thank you. And Isabel, yeah. I know that you are going to have just a ton of Barbie content um, because this episode is releasing the week the Barbie movie is coming out. So I'm uh, typically our episodes are Wednesdays. This one is coming out on a Monday because I know some people are going to advance screenings already on Wednesday, which we are, um, because I had to get those tickets <laughs> so I could see it the first possible time. The way um, you brag, I'm telling you, really. And um, <laughs> then uh, we wanted to make sure that everyone traveling to San Diego Comic-Con that week could listen to our episode as well. So Isabel, where can people find you on Instagram? Yes, so you can so you can find um, my Instagram at Isabel S D F A, so I S A B E L S D I E P P A, or um, you can also follow the Barbie Experience Pod. That's just phonetic. The Barbie Experience Pod, and um, uh, you can find the Barbie Experience Podcast on YouTube and on Spotify if you just look up um, the Barbie Experience. Great, um, thank That's you great. all. Thank you all so much for joining. It's been an amazing conversation talking about these comics, the creative thoughts and processes behind them, and getting the viewpoint of two people or people, if you're counting us, but I'm I'm more concerned with Michelle and Isabel um, that just really love Barbie. So thank you all so much for joining us. You can find us on Instagram at X Factor Files Podcast. Um, we are taking a journey through 1993 for the rest of our season um, as we go through each and every Marvel annual from that year. So, and the new characters that are introduced. Yeah. So, um, I encourage everyone listening to check us out, and we will catch you next time. See you later. Take care. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for inviting us.